you can, you, we can never get tired of, of being in his presence. I just, gosh, I could do so much more worship in this place with God. Um, I just love God. I just love him so much. Um, anytime we walk into this church, we better be ready to worship God. Ready. We should be ready just to lift up his name. Because, you know, without him, we wouldn't be here. None of us. We would be dead in the street, lost, drunk in a bar, blacked out. I don't know. I know that's where I would be. But I just thank God for a God that loves us, that sees us as, you know, as the world sees us, we're wretched. But God sees something else. God sees his child in need of him. And so I just thank God for, his, for my salvation. I thank God for seeing us and seeing the good in us when nobody else did. But he saw us worthy to pull us out of our muck and say, come come and follow me. Amen. And how many of us know that that was all of us in this place? We're nothing without God. We're nothing without Jesus. Right? We're nothing. We're nothing without God. I know I'm nothing. You might think you're somebody. I don't know. (laughs) Just kidding. But we're nothing without God. Amen. So you can take your seats. And um, I want to thank, of course, my leadership, our Victor Arch International Ministries, our pastors, for believing in us. I want to thank my husband. Um, He's such an amazing father. I know that Father's Day is coming up, but um, he's just such an amazing husband and a leader and example. He's one of my rabbis. I listen to him, and I'm in awe of him when he speaks, not just here on the stage, but I mean when he's counseling or he's pouring his life into somebody else. I sit there, and and I glean from his words, and I just think, wow, what wisdom. Wow, I want that. Wow, I didn't know that. Whoa. That's some heavy insight. So I just want to thank God for my husband and, of course, our leadership, our pastoral staff, and the ministers here. They're amazing men of God. And I'm just so blessed to be under such great leadership and that they're solid men of God. They love the Lord. And there's nothing greater to have women having your back, but there's nothing even greater, more greater, than following the men of God who are going forward for God. I love it. I feel so secure knowing that I have a great guy, a great husband, a great pastor that's going towards the things of God. If, as long as he's serving the Lord and doing what he's supposed to, I'll follow him anywhere. I'll follow him to the ends of the earth. So, amen. So I'm, I'm going to need you guys to, to wake up a little bit here because, you know, like I need some life. I need you to preach back to me, okay? So I don't want to feel all like I'm speaking and then I'm like, why, why isn't anybody saying anything, right? <laughs> so my husband, um, didn't he do such an amazing job with the superhero series? I mean, that was just so anointed. That was so powerful. And then all of a sudden, he turns around and says, okay, now it's your turn. And I was like, my turn for what? He's like, you're going to do a Superwoman series for the church. I was like, what? Are you crazy? You're setting me up to fail. Like, why would you do that? You're such an amazing speaker. But I know that he's, he's a, he also challenges me as a woman, as a wife, as a mother, and as a spiritual mother. He always challenges me, takes me out of my comfort zone. So... Um, I pray that you're blessed this morning because I just feel like uh, I'm nervous. Amen. So this morning, I want to speak to you a little bit about um, the superheroes, the superwomen of our faith. And there's so many women that we can talk about, so many women that stand out, so many women even in the ministry that are so amazing. But this morning, um, the, you know, we were, I was looking over the, the superwomen, the superheroes that are female, and two stood out. One, of course, which to me 
was, well, actually, there were several, like Spider Girl and Bat Girl, and there's so many. And then there was one woman that, she's a, she's a classic superhero woman, or super, how do you say it? Supergirl? Superhero? I don't know. Okay. We'll forget all that. <laughs> but um, I just thought, oh, my God, okay. And I came across Wonder Woman. And how many of us are familiar with Wonder Woman? She, like, goes way back, right? She's, like, one of those, like, 1950s women or back in the day she was discovered, let's say. But sh her legacy continues on. And I remember even being a, a little girl turning on the TV, and I would see Wonder Woman with her outfit and her superpowers. And I would think, wow, I want to be like that, not realizing it was just TV. I thought it was real. And so as I started to look up her character, I found out some great things about her and things that really stood out. And I thought, wow, the only thing that kept coming to my mind was that these superheroes got all their superheroes from the word. Because everything that every superhero does, God can do it. So when you watch those superhero movies and they like split the waters and it gets all crazy or they fly and they turn the world around or the other way around like Superman did, all those things that they do, God can do it. And it's just so amazing that we highlight these great superheroes, but I just stand in awe of like, whoa, God, you can do that too. You can do all things and how God has made anything and everything through him. And so I want to share a couple of facts about Superwoman this morning, or Wonder Woman, excuse me. And um, I picked Wonder Woman this morning because I believe that there's a woman in the Bible that totally uh, sounds like this Wonder Woman, amen. And her, her, uh, her characteristics, her um, values or her qualities of who she is, is that she's a heroine who fought for justice love, peace, and human equality. She was compassionate and gave love without discrimination. She was an army nurse, a military intelligence officer. She was a businesswoman, an astronaut, a staff of the United Nations. She was very, um, she was a businesswoman. A lot of good things coming out of her. Also, one of her superheroes, or a few of her superheroes, or superpowers, are that she has the lasso of truth. And what that means is that every, she can force anyone she captures to obey and tell the truth. That's pretty heavy, right? To obey. Hello, somebody. We're trying to get our kids to obey us, right? And to tell the truth. Did you steal that candy? No. Tell me the truth, right? Also, she had an indestructible bracelets. How many of us remember her bracelets? It's like her uh, signature look allowing the, to deflect automatic weapons, fire, and energy that comes against her. She would use it as a, as a, a, de, uh, a shield or whatever you want to call it. Also, her other superhuman powers was that she had a tiara, and, or tiara, excuse me if I'm not saying it correctly, uh, which served as a projectile in some, in some cases also as an invisible airplane. And what that means, she would use her, her, her crown, her tiara, to, as a weapon to use it, and it would come back to her. Um, also, she had superior combat and battle skills. That sounds like a spiritual warfare kind of woman. Also, she had uh, mental and psychic abilities like ESP, spoke every language known to man, and even Martian language. That kind of sounds like she speaks like the language of love to everybody, and then she speaks in tongues. That's what I got. I was like, oh, she speaks a heavenly language, right? And then her additional weaponry 
is formal battle, um, uh, uh, what do you call it, um, armor of, or armor that's of gold, gold, golden, I guess. Um, she had chest plate, golden helmet, and a magical sword that she would use. So I don't never remember her using it. This is her background, though. So if you did see it, if you, if you did um, know this or didn't know this, now you know. She's got, she's got it going on, right? She was superwoman. She was Wonder Woman. And what caught really my attention was that um, when I heard that she wore this tiara and that she used it as a weapon and it came back to her, I thought, wow, that tiara sounds like a woman in the Bible. And how many of us know that there are so many famous women in the Bible, but this one woman, she stands out to me amongst all women, and her name is Esther. And when you think about Esther, um, if, you don't know the, if you don't know the character of Esther, she's an amazing young Jewish woman. Her name is Hadassi, but also is translated into Esther. And she was a young Jewish woman that um, lived in an empire, in the Persian Empire, and she had an uncle by the name of Mordecai. Actually, he was her cousin. Cousin by the name of Mordecai. And in this time, King Asuchurus, if I don't say it correctly, please forgive me. Um, I'm going to just say it however I can. But there was a king by the name of King Ahasuerus. And he was ruler of all the land. And in this time, he ha was having fellowship. He was having, you know, a great banquet with all his officials and all the um, government officials from all over and he had them come to his banquet and they were drinking and getting jolly and then all of a sudden he has this great idea to call his wife Queen Vashti at this time to come into the into the room wearing only her crown and when he had suggested or not suggested, when he had commanded this to take place his wife refused his queen refused to go into the to the place and come in only wearing her crown so that meant, if you don't understand what I'm saying, that meant he wanted her coming in naked, wearing only her crown, to expose the beauty that she had to her, uh, to the men and the officials that were around him. And out of her um, disobedience, she said no. And the result of that saying no to the king, because you don't say no to the king or else you die. Um, so with her saying no, they dethroned her. That's kind of cold, right? Oh, you don't want to do what I want you to do. You're out of here, right? That's what the world does, right? And so they fired her. They say, you're fired. Get out. And so um, she was removed as the queen. And so there became a call. And here this call came out and said, every, you know, every available virgin in the land to come and come and be, uh, take your chances to becoming the queen. And so all these women came and these virgins came and Queen, or Esther, excuse me, at this time, Esther came in and she came into the king's palace and she was getting groomed. It took six, it took actually a year to get groomed ready to see the king. So when the call came, it wasn't immediately that they got to talk to the king. It took a year's process to prepare them to see the king for the first time. So this process was not an overnight process. How many of us know we live in a fast, fast lane city, right? In a fast lane world where everything we want it fast. Everything McDonald's. Go to McDonald's. Go to Jack in the Box. We want it fast. We want the anointing fast. We want the call fast. But in this time, God doesn't work like that. It takes a process. And so in this time, it took a process for her to get ready and groomed and prepared. And she found favor with the eunuchs. She found favor with the servants. And then at the very end, she found favor with the king. And so here, if you turn to Esther, 
chapter 2, it says that S217, it says that Esther found favor with the king. It says, the king loved Esther more than all other women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins. So he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. And that's a pretty heavy statement because how many of us know that she had competition, right? She had so much competition, so many women that were ready to take that throne, take that role, that position, but the Lord gave her the favor to go in and become the queen for such a time. And when you look at the word crown, the word crown is a traditional symbolic form of headgear worn by the monarchs or by a deity for whom the crown traditionally represents power, legitimacy, victory, triumphant, honor, and glory, as well as immortality, righteousness, and resurrection. That sounds like our Savior, right? And so here, she knew that her life had signified many things. And coming into this new role, it signified royalty, entitlement, superiority, something fresh, something new. She upheld a high position. And what was she to do with such a high position? I want to give you a little story here so we understand where we're going. But she was a woman that had a high position that said that I have a high responsibility. And the more that you read into the story, there became a place and a time where the position had to come into action. And so there was a call out where Haman, an evil man that hated the Jews, it was in, it was in his DNA, his family background, to hate Jews. And so because one Jew had disobeyed Haman's order, he was like second in command with the king, um, there was a Jew, Mordecai, that didn't listen to Haman to do something. And so because of that, he had a hatred towards the Jews. Because Haman didn't do what he wanted him to do, he put a decree out to do a genocide with the Jews. And so he called out a decree, and the king signed it, sealed it, delivered the message, and said all Jews will be murdered. And so in this time, um, Esther gets a call, and she finds out that there's an assassination upon her people. And so here in this time, her cousin Mordecai confronts her and says, what are you going to do, Esther? What are you going to do in the position that you have? You have been made queen for such a time. You have the royal crown at your feet. You have the, the king at your feet. What are you going to do? And so in our time, in our day, how many of us know that God has given us a powerful position as a mother, as a wife, as a husband, as a Christian, as a light to the world, right? We have our own royal crown upon our head that God has placed upon us. And we have a responsibility to walk into that power. But what are we going to do with that power, right? In our day, we have many people in very powerful positions. Kings, queens, presidents, dictators, politicians, leaders of nations, leaders of the community, organizers. What do they do with their crowns of glory? Some have done great works during their time in office. Others have exploited their power for self-gain. You also have countries that have killed their own for their own gain for power. Others have fought to unite nations to be, its, to be in its former glory. How many of us know that God has given us a crown of authority and of power? But what have we done with that, with that power and authority? What have we done to represent the kingdom of God, the, the power that has been stowed upon us. What have we done with it? 
Are we being a light? Are we being an example? A true Christian. How have we defended the weak? Or only or have we have we defended the weak or only thought of what we could gain because of what we have? How many of us know that Queen Esther, she had a high position. She was given such a high position that she could do whatever she wanted to do. She could have said, forget it, Mordecai. I'm just going to be the queen, and I'm going to live out my reign and live out my time, have my kids, be with the king, and just be the queen. That's it. She could have easily had that and done that, but she chose not to. And so here, when her cousin confronted her, he reminded her of the call. He reminded her that you have a power and a responsibility to fulfill. Don't think that you come here by chance. Don't think that God brought you to the palace by chance. Don't think that your pretty looks got you where you're at by chance. Don't think that your good looks and your hot stepping, whatever you are, brought you to the house of God because you just wanted to serve God. No, God said that I've separated you and I've sanctified you. I have called you to come into this place and fulfill the call of God. And so that's what happened with Queen Esther, that God had separated her and given her a divine calling to fulfill, even though she didn't realize that the decree was going to come into place, even though there wasn't even a decree yet when she was getting ready to meet the king. There was a decree that was going to take place, and God had placed her for such a time. And how many of us know that God has put a decree inside of our lives? God has put a decree upon this world, and God is positioning us to take that power and authority and use it for the glory of God. There is a position that God has given us to fulfill, to live out. That he didn't save us just because. He saved us with an intent. God is such a God of purpose. God is such a God of intention. God is such a God of misunderstanding that you just got to trust him. God is such a God that has his way and we just follow him. We just say trust him, trust him, trust him. And so that's what happened that, you know, there's so many people here in this world that take their position and abuse it. How many of us know that we have a government that's not all that? You know, there's, and I'm not, I'm not a political woman. I'm not somebody that's all like, ooh, conspiracy and the Illuminati, ooh, the president. You know, I don't do all that. However, their works, their ways, the things that they have said, I don't believe them anymore. I'm like, why should I believe you? I don't know what you're saying. I don't know what you're saying. You know, I don't know what you mean. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if you're really going to take care of me. I don't know if you're really looking out for my health care. What is your intent? Right? There are people that have even abused their authority in the church. I had a young woman the other day that came to me, and she told me that she had come to several churches and that there were people that she was crying out to and reaching out to. And the, the response, these are ministers in the church, the response was, you're not in my rank. I can't speak to you. We are not on the same level. We can't talk. And, I, I mean, when she told me that, I want to be like, what church is that? I'm going to go over there and talk to them. You know, I, didn't want, I wasn't going to do it. But that's how you feel sometimes because you're like, what are you talking about? How could somebody talk to you like that? How could a child of God think that they could talk to the people of God like that? How could somebody with such a high position, such an honorable role, degrade the meaning of that position, degrade the, the responsibility and the honor of that role. And she told me that she was crying and she was embarrassed and she didn't even want to come talk to me. So when she came to this church, you know, I remember her cousin would tell me, she doesn't want to talk to you. She's scared of you. I said, well, what did I do to her? Was I looking mean? Was I mean mugging her? Did I look mad? What was it? And she was like, I don't know. She's just scared of you. 
And I said, well, I'm going to go up to her. And I just gave her a big old hug. And I said, hey, how are you? And that broke whatever that was that she had. It broke it. But I just said, God, I don't want people to ever feel like they are scared of me or that they can't talk to me. Or I don't want people to ever feel like because I'm in a position of authority, of power, that they're not able to approach me, that they're not able to get help from me, that they're not able to get counsel from me. Just because I have a high position, that means the higher you go, the lower you become. And what I mean by the lower you become, the more of a servant you become, the harder the work we do. So anybody that comes in here and they say that they're scared of the pastor or the pastor's wife, you better bring them up to us so we can give them a hug and show them that we're a family in this place, right? We don't abuse our authority. We don't go acting like we're all that and that we think that we're in this high position. We don't do nothing. No, when God gives us a position and a responsibility, we live it out, and we live it out with integrity. We live it out in the truth and his righteousness. We live it out with an honest answer. Amen. We don't go abusing our position. We don't go acting like, you know, these other politicians lying to the people, turning around and stealing from the people or doing whatever they do. We don't act like crooked politicians in the church of God. We act like Christians, Christ-like, you know, mannerisms, Christ-like character. And so, you know, here she had a responsibility to live out. And the crown that she has been given, you know, she's called out. What are you going to do? What are you going to do, Hadassi? What are you going to do, Esther? That's her name. And she had to really think about, what am I going to do? I'm in a high position. Thank you. I'm in a high position right now. And not only is she in a high position, but in this country, the Jews were not favored. They were the, they were the, the minority. They were not liked. And the guy named Haman, the king's right-hand guy, he comes, I believe, from the, uh, the group of the people of Amalekites. And Amalekites, they hate the Jews. Their history, they're enemies. And so this man, it was in his DNA. He was raised up as a racist. He was raised up as a, you know, as to hate the Jews, to despise them. And so here, when this call came out, a murderous decree, Mordecai said, what are you going to do, Esther? You're going to abuse your position? Are you going to take that crown of yours and use it for God's glory and God's honor? Or are you going to abuse it? And so what she had to do was, you know, how many of us know that looking at the truth can hurt? Right? Because she's in this really high position. She's got it going on. She's got the gold bracelets, the jewelry. She's looking good. She's looking sexy, right? She's bringing sexy back to the kingdom, right? And so I say that jokingly for those who are like, oh, my God, that's not false, that's do false doctrine. I'm just kidding. No, I'm a, I love to laugh and make jokes. But how many of us know that um, she had to really take inventory of her life? She had to really be able to look at herself and think Honestly, who she was in God, in Christ, who she was as a queen, she had to really be honest with the price that she was going to have to pay if she did answer the call. And in this day and age, there's something that um, the enemy has come in so sweetly with, deceptively sweetly with. And 
what that is is lies. And what I mean by lies is that God says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He says that, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so that means that here, one of Esther's superpowers was knowing the truth, accepting the truth, letting the truth set her free of herself, letting the truth set her free so that she could answer the call, letting the truth settle in so she understood and really had a clear comprehension of what she was going to do if she did answer the call, right? And how many of us know that we live in a culture where everything is manufactured, superficial? Everything is like, like oh, my nails are from gel, they're acrylic. You know, women's bodies, they're being transformed by, you know, implants and just all different th kind of things. You know, there's so much deception in the world that, you know, Everything is like manufactured practically. And it's okay. And when you think of those things, it's like it brings complex to people. Well, my body's not like this, or I don't look like this, or especially for the woman, because there's so many things available for the woman, like hair extensions. Women, you like hair extensions. You're like, oh my God, look at me. I just got my hair did. And then you take it out. I'm like, what is that? That's not real. It's manufactured, right? Or they even want to get your toes and get acrylic on your toes. I'm like, what does your toes need acrylic for? Just paint them and do what you got to do and keep on walking, right? And so everything is manufactured from nails to body to diet pills, hair transplant, you know, so many things. Even, you know, um, the things that come our way in our government and our world, you know, we don't know what's real, what's not. I know that the other day I was reading an article about, um, this guy, he's the bearded lady, and how he comes in so deceptively, and the world is accepting this guy and we're winning this award for the song, but how he's a um, transsexual, he's, he's a man, but he comes off as a woman, but he, he has a beard. And I just thought, that is so not true. That is not a woman. That is a life in the pit of hell. That is not okay. And I, you know, I felt like posting something on Facebook and getting all crazy, but I didn't. But just how the enemy has come in to bring so much deception through lies that you can't even tell a woman from a man anymore, right? And how people have felt that they could hide behind a lie and be okay with it. That even in marriages, you know, how, how does truth run in your marriage? How does truth run in on our relationships? How does truth take place in our walk with God? How does truth play in dealing with our character? How does truth play in the role that we are as a wife, or as a mother, as a husband, as a leader? How does truth play? It plays so many roles. It is so, it's such a given that we need. It's a superpower that we need to live with for the rest of our lives. And why I say this is because, I'm going to be very transparent, okay, is that, you know, I'm not, you know, these women, they say beautiful things about me. Thank you. However, I am so far from perfect. I am so far from, you know, being where I want to be. And I, you know, I have my challenges. I'm really strong in some areas, and then I'm really weak in some areas. And so one of my dealings is that, God, I need to become a better wife. I need to be a better wife and a mother to my kids. And that's not an 
easy thing to tell God or to look at yourself and say, man, God, <sighs> man, I'm, I'm really weak in this area, God. I'm really trying here. And it's so easy to point the finger at your spouse or point the finger at other people and say, it's them, it's them, it's them. Or, God, you know, why is this happening to me? But God is saying, I need you to be honest with yourself. I need you to search within your heart, within yourself, and find out what is it that you're, you know, holding on to that maybe is holding you back. I need you to look at yourself. I need, you to, sp I need to speak into your life and rebuke you. I need to chastise you. And I've just been asking God, Lord, change me because I don't want to be like this. I don't want to be this ugly person when I can be ugly because, women, we get ugly. Isn't that the truth? Come on, man. This is your time to say amen. I'm giving you an opportunity. Say it, man. Come on. Say it because it's true. I'm honest. I'll receive it. Tell me, Stelvon. Tell me, gosh darn it. I know it. But I'm honest enough to say, Lord, I need to grow. I'm honest enough to say, Lord, I need the truth. Because you said that it's the truth that's going to set me free. You said that it's the truth that's going to set me free and, and walk with you. You said that you're the way, the truth, and the life, and I need to walk under that anointing, not under the anointing of the world, which brings lies and deception and, you know, wolves and sheep's clothing. I don't want to be a woman that, you know, is deceptive and lying to people and say, I'll be there for you, and then I'm not. I don't want to be a woman that portrays something, and, you know, when you see me walking down the street, I'm acting all crazy on the street, you know, wanting to fight somebody. I don't want to be a woman that, you know, whatever I preach behind this pulpit, that I'm not living it out. Because anything that I tell you to do, I live it out. I make sure that I'm a practice of what I preach, that I'm a living epistle, living testimony of what I preach. Because how many of us know, people, that we don't want to be the kind of hypocrite in the church that when people come in and they see us and they know who we are, that they leave, right? We got to be a people that live in truth and in, and in righteousness and in its holiness and in God's reflection, amen? God's, um, what do you say? We want to be an, uh, an example. We want to be a model. We want to be a representation. We want to be an ambassador of Christ. And the way that we live, people are going to watch it. People are going to see, are they the real deal? Are they the real deal? Was Esther the real deal? Absolutely she was the real deal. I remember when I first got saved, um, the first thing that came to my mind was that I don't have to lie anymore. Because in my worldly ways, I was lying after lie. I would lie about my age, lie about who I was seeing, lie about who, you know, what I was doing. I was really just, I was a big old fat liar. I was other things too. But I remember feeling the spirit of God overcome me, and the first thought came to my mind was that, I don't have to lie anymore. Wow, I could tell the truth, and there's nothing to hide anymore. There was such a relief. There was such a, like, awe moment. Ever had those moments? Ah. There was such a moment there that I felt like, wow, I really am free. Also, when we get free, the effects and the, the, the result of being free is that there's no more sin in our life. There's no more rebellion. There's no more disobedience. There's no more lying. There's no more, you know, sin, sin, sin. There's no more being in bondage. There's no more struggling with sin. There's no more, you know, going out to the world and being in a place of just such bondage. 
No more being a drug addict. No more being an alcoholic. No more depression. No more suicide. No more pornography. No more, no more, no more. Because when the truth comes in, the truth sets us free. When we're able to accept the truth and live out the truth, God is able to use us. There's a breakthrough that takes place. And so in this world today, one of our superpowers that we have, that we need to live by, we need to walk in, is in truth. In the way that we conduct ourselves, in the way that we, you know, talk to each other, the way that we live, that superpower is superpower truth. As long as the truth is in us, we can do anything. As long as the truth was in Esther, she had a heavy responsibility. And the truth of the matter was, was that she knew that if she went to the king and brought this complaint or brought this request to him, she knew that if she were to go into his palace or go into his room, she would have a risk of dying. She had a risk of being cut off like Vashti. Not even, you know, taken away into exile, but I mean dying. And so she had to be able to really accept the truth of her role and of her responsibility and being able to handle the truth that if she was going to die for the sake of her people because she spoke out, that she was ready and willing to do it. How many of us can live that role out? How many of us can say that I am willing to accept the truth that if I go to this other country where it's all Muslim, and if I preach the gospel, I am willing to accept the truth that I might die, that I might lose my life, that my children might be persecuted and thrown into prison. And I don't, I don't speak of things that aren't happening. I speak of things that are happening already, that when you go to these other countries, they don't like America. They don't like what we represent. They don't like us because we, you know, we represent Christ. You know, you go to Muslim nations, they'll throw you into prison real quick. They'll throw your children into prison. They'll kill you off, and they don't have a problem with it. And that's the truth that people have to face, that Christians have to face daily if they're really willing and ready to accept that truth in their life. I know that in our time, in this day and age, we're coming to a place in America where we're going to start getting hated on more. That people are going to start hating us, persecuting us, coming against us, you know, ticketing us for having Bible studies. We're already in a day and age where the Antichrist is already here. He's already rising up. And it's going to take an honest-to-God truth within ourselves to say, am I ready and willing to stand up for the truth? Am I ready and willing to die for the gospel? Am I ready and willing to accept the call that is upon my life? Am I ready and willing? How many of us know that the truth that sets us free? She was a woman that walked in truth and accepted the truth in her life. Another superhero power that she had, which I really love this because when I shared earlier about Wonder Woman, she, had a, she was um, ex skilled in the, in the military background. She was a warrior. Um, she, wore, she had like an armor, right? And when you think of the armor of God, you think of prayer and fasting right away. I think of the armor of God when, they, when, when it was mentioning what she wore. And I thought, man, when I'm in warfare, I need my armor of God. When I wake up, I need my armor of God. When I go, when I go into spiritual warfare, I need my armor of God because I'm fighting against an Amalekite. I'm fighting against a Haman spirit that wants to assassinate the people of God. I'm fighting against a demonic force that wants to kill, steal, and destroy. 
And so one of her greatest tools, one of her greatest powers was that when the call of God came out, when the call of God came out to say, Esther, arise, I need you to answer the call. What are you going to do? Right away, you know, her and Mordecai started talking. Mordecai spoke some sense into her because she was a little stubborn too. She realized, I'm going to answer this call. I'm gonna, if I go into the king's palace, if I perish, I perish. However, what I need you to do, she got her servants. In 4.15, it talks about she got her servants together. And she told the people of God, pray and fast with me. How many of us know that prayer and fasting, that's not an easy tool to, to exercise? When we pray and fast, it's a lot of self-denial. If you read in the Old Testament, and this is referring to all the people back in those days, OT time, was that whenever anybody prayed, it was never alone in prayer. It was prayer and fasting. The two were one. So it was never, I'm just going to pray and not fast. Or it was never, I'm going to fast and not pray. But it was, a, it was like, unless you prayed and fasted, you weren't praying. And fa- you weren't praying. Unless you prayed and fasted, you weren't fasting. So if you read in the, in the Old Testament book, when people were praying, and were praying, they were also fasting. If they were fasting, they were praying. And so this, is, this was a skill and a tool that the people of God had. They were praying and fasting. There was, pr- there was prayers and fasting for their people, for their countries. And so here, um, Esther got her people. They gather, she gathered her servants to pray and fast for three days. She was coming against an enemy that tolerated that didn't tolerate God's people. How many of us know that prayer and fasting, it does wonders? How many, of us, how many of us have ever fasted in this place? I know when I fast and I pray, I see the hand of God take place. That is a supernatural anointing that takes place in our life. That when we pray, man, things happen. But when you fast, how many of us have ever seen, you know, the power of God take place when we pray and fast? How many of us know that God moves on our behalf when we pray and fast? If you go to the book Isaiah 58, it explains to you Isaiah 58, Isaiah 58, Isaiah 58. If you ever read that, read it. If you don't know what fasting is, read it because it tells you what it's able to do. It tells you that it loosens the bondages off of people. It brings the healing forth quickly. It brings breakthrough. It brings life to your bones. It brings life to those that are in need. And so here, Esther had to pray and fast. She had to pray and fast that she would be able to go into the king's palace and find favor. She had to pray and fast that the hand of God would move on behalf for her people. How many of us know that prayer and fasting, that's a supernatural power that we have today? That it doesn't happen in the Old Testament. It's not something that only a few do. No, nations would pray and fast. The nation of God would fast. Amen? And so we have been given that same anointing, that same superpower to pray and fast. Sometimes we pray over people and we're like, well, why aren't they getting delivered? Well, maybe you need to fast. Why isn't the demon possessed come, you know, being delivered? Maybe you need to fast. Well, why isn't my healing come? Why hasn't God healed my husband or my friend or my spouse? Maybe you need to fast. Maybe you need to stop talking to God and start listening to him and start fasting. Amen? Because he breaks the yoke of bondage. Praying and fasting, it also takes dying to self. How many of us know that praying and fasting, that's not something that's easy, right? And for some reason, any time that I prayed and I fasted, man, people are so friendly. All of a sudden, they want to take me out. They want to take me out to eat. Take me to Zachary's. I love Zachary's. Take me out to, you know, Digger's. How many of us have ever been to Diggers? Fried Oreos? Oh, my God. 
Yeah, they're amazing. With ice cream, ah, oh, so good. Or, you know, people come to my house, they bring me, you know, food, and I'm like, man, cheesecake, flan, ah. Oh, you know, don't catch me on a good one, please. But, you know, prayer and fasting, I've seen prayer and fasting take place in my life, and I've seen breakthroughs take place. I've seen God bring healing in my life. I've seen God save my family, my mother. And I'm praying and I'm fasting and believing for my grandmother. She's 99 years old and still doesn't know Jesus. But I'm praying and I'm fasting and I'm believing, God, you're going to save this old woman. You're going to save her in her wretched old age. You're going to save her in her rickety old age. And that when that day comes, when you decide to take her, she's going to know God. Because I prayed and I fasted. Prayer and fasting moves the hand of God. If you're looking for a miracle, I encourage you, pray and fast. If you're not praying and fasting, maybe that's why you're not getting your breakthrough. Hello, somebody. Hello. And the last thing I'm going to close out very soon. This was a very short message. I hope I was short. Have I been short or long? <laughs> I talk too much sometimes, ladies, right? And the last thing, I love that Wonder Woman, she was an advocate for the voiceless. She fought for justice, for equality. And here, Esther, she had a calling to fight for justice, for equality, right? She had a heavy calling on her life. But when you have a heavy calling on your life, and when you're fighting demons, and when you're fighting a spiritual warfare, and when you're coming up against opposition, and when you're fighting it in battle, how many of us know that we can't be the cowardly lion at that time? We can't be, you know, chasing Toto around the tree, and then Dorothy slaps us in our face, and then we start crying. We can't be the cowardly lion. We got to be courageous. And that's what this woman had. She had courage like nobody's business. She had courage. And when you think of the word courage, it talks about being steadfast in mind, being stubborn in your mind that your ways are set and that you're going to do what you're supposed to do, unwavering, uncompromising. It also means to prevail, that when you take that step of courage, you're going to prevail because that's what comes with a nature of courage. Amen? That also comes when you come and you get stubborn or you become courageous, you prepare yourself to see something. You behave valiantly. You, you can get the street to come out of you. That's when men's home, men of God, that's when the old you that used to be like, hey, I ain't scared of you, that's when that man's supposed to come out. The courageous man, right? Because some of us, we were courageous in the world, right? I know I used to be really courageous. I used to be in bars fighting with, you know, my friends. And I would come up to a dude thinking I was going to knock the dude out. And I had this spirit of courageous on me. Didn't knock a dude out, though. But I felt like I could, right? But I was courageous and valiant. I was, I was headed towards that, right? If you don't know me, you can talk to me and I'll tell you about my past. But we won't glorify it. However... Courage had to take place in Esther's life. She had to be able to take that step. Courage able to die for her people, but more so she had to become bold for God to go to the king. She had to be bold enough to expose the works of the enemy. 
which was Haman at that time. She had to be able to know that this warfare that she was fighting, she had to know that God was with her. Then how many of us know that when God is with us, we can do anything? When you got angels backing you up, you're like, what are you going to do, devil? What do you want to do, Satan? What, you want to call me out? You want to mess with my kids? Don't you know who has my back? Don't you know who died for me? Don't you know who put his angels to encamp around me? I could do anything through Christ who strengthens me. There's a boldness, a supernatural boldness and a supernatural courageous spirit that takes over you and you're able to defy the enemy. You're able to become triumphant in the things when the enemy comes over or comes over and messes with you. How many of us know that God has given us a courageous spirit to live out today? That we can't be living in this world and mingle with the world and play with the world and dabble with the world and compromise with the world and play with the world and blend in with the world. But God, God needs us to stand up and be courageous in this time and stand up for his truth. That when the world says to change with the culture, no, we don't change with the culture. We don't compromise our convictions and our values. We don't go taking the word of God and twisting it. But we stand for the truth and we speak up and we share the gospel truth to the sinner regardless of what comes our way. Do you understand me that we got to be able to stand up and be courageous and bold that when people say, that sin is okay, that sin is acceptable, that God loves them and they can stay that way. No, we say God loves you, but he didn't call you to stay that way. How many of us know that we got to stand up for the truth and it's going to take a bold people that are not going to be afraid, that are not going to act like the cowardly lion. We're going to stand up and say no. God says no to sin. God says no to homosexuality. God says no to compromise. God says no to sin. How many of us have come into that place of opposition and we back down? Okay, you can have it your way. We back down because we were intimidated, because the world seems so much stronger than us. Or our bosses tell us, no, you're going to work on Sunday and that's that. No! I'm not going to work on Sunday. I know who gave me the job, and if this isn't the job, I'll find another job. Some of you guys aren't clapping because you're like, ooh, that's me. But you know what? I'm a firm believer. I am a firm believer because I used to have a secular job that I don't work on Sundays and I don't work on days that God is calling me to do the ministry. I don't believe it because I know that if God is my provider, he's going to provide me another job. And if they don't want me, then that's fine because I'm going to find something better. That's the honest to God truth. It's going to take courage that when that spirit of the Antichrist comes in stronger than ever in, this, in our country, it's going to take a courageous people that rise up and stand up for the righteousness of God that are not going to blend with the world, that are not going to be afraid of preaching God's truth and gospel to the sinner, to the backslider, to the compromising Christian, that we're not going to be afraid to offend, but we're going to be bold to tell the truth. How many of us know that I would rather tell you the truth, offend you, and you go to heaven, than tell you a lie, be your friend, and you go straight to hell? 
How many of us know that we got to be a people that are bold and courageous, ready to answer the call, ready to stand up for the truth of God? We have to stand up and be bold and courageous. We can't back down. We can't, you know, compromise. We can't say, well, I know I'm going to heaven, but they can go to hell. Well, I know I have the truth, but I'm scared to tell them the truth. Then why do you wear a crown? Why are you wearing that crown? What are you wearing it for then? We got to be a people that take our place. And in this day and age, you know, we take it seriously what we're doing. We don't take it lightly. We don't, you know, just, oh, I'm a daisy pansy kind of Christian. Everything is good just in my world, and I don't reach out. But we got to be one that has Christ living in us, but also living through us. That when people see you, that they can find a sense of security in you. That when people talk to you, they're going to know that you're going to give them the straight-up truth about their life and what they need to work on. That when they need love, they're going to have a genuine love coming from you. That when they encounter you, they're going to encounter the real deal, the Christ that lives in you. Not a phony, but the real deal. And so today, these were some qualities that when I was reading about Wonder Woman, I thought, wow, she's an advocate for humanity. Well, so was Esther. She was an advocate for her people. She was an advocate for a nation that was ready to be genocide. And when you think about the word genocide, that means thousands upon thousands, millions upon millions murdered because of one person's hatred. That's pretty intense, right? That's an intense spirit that has come against your people here. And it's going to take a supernatural anointing. It's going to take superpowers that come from God and God alone for us to stand up and live out our calling, our destiny. That when God has placed a crown over our lives, he gave us a purpose with that crown. And even though we may not understand it at times or we may not understand why we have the call of God over our lives, just trust God because the decree is going to come out and God's going to use you. God's going to call you for such a time as this. God has already called us for such a time as this. And when I think of men and women who are living for such a time as this, I think, of course, my husband. He's living for such a time as this. When I see my husband, I think, God, he was really called and birthed for this ministry. He was called to live out only for God and God alone, and I have to be able to release him in that. When I think of Ishmael and his wife, Liz, I think, man, God has called him for such a time. Juan and Gloria, God has called them for such a time to impart into the families. When I think of the people in our church, Gina, I think of a warrior. Rochelle, I think of spiritual warfare warriors. When I think of Joanne and Irma and these certain mothers in this church, I think they're standing up for such a time as this. When I think of the ministers and the pastors, they're carrying on this legacy of Pastor Steve, and they're living it out for such a time as this, that God has given us an anointing. I think of these warriors in our church, prayer warriors, Augie and Ellie, taking this ministry. I think of warriors. And I think, are we living out to the fullest? I want to be that Wonder Woman. I want to be that Queen Esther. 
I don't want to be dolled up and pretty and in the second or the first row and, you know, drink my little water and that's it. No. I want my armor to be dented up, to be dirty. I want to be able to say, Stevan, you know, I love you. We go through it together, but I got your back at the end of the day. I want to be able to know that I'm doing what God has called me to do, that the position that God has given me, that I'm living it out with all integrity, that I'm living it out, that when people come to me, they know that I love them and that I'm not abusing my position, that when I put on my royal crown, I'm wearing it in all truth for God and God alone. Amen? How many of us want to be like that? We want to be, you know, just living right for God. I know I want to continue to be right before the Lord. I want to continue to live out my life. I want to continue to, you know, God, if there's anything that I want more of, because I'm kind of bold, I want more courage. I want to be somebody that I don't know if it, were ever, if it will ever happen. But if it ever does happen, I want to be able to be one of those women that when persecution comes my way, I'm not going to compromise. And it's going to come. And I'm not saying I'm going to do it. I'm going to be all that. And I'm not saying I'm going to cower back. I don't know. Because when that moment comes, that's when I'm going to know the answer. However, my prayer is, Lord, if that day ever comes, if I go to another country or if I face persecution in our very own country, I want to be able to say I'm going to stand up for the truth, God, no matter what. And we're headed that way. We're headed that way. We got to be people of truth, people that are honest, people that live out and understand who we are in Christ. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and stand up. And as the worship team comes, I just, you know, I sense the Lord raising up such a mighty army in this house. I sense such a people of God that are being raised up to do greater and mightier things for the Lord. But in order to be that, we have to continue to put ourselves at the feet of Jesus. We have to continue to let God do the inner work inside of us so that we don't become stale, that we don't become like that ax that is dull, but that we stay sharpened for the things of God that we stay right before God, that when the time comes for us, that we can stand up to the occasion. We can rise up to the occasion and do all that God has called us to do and do it well before the eyes of God. How many of us know that that's the way God has called us to be? God has called us to be those deliverers for the people of God. Moses was a deliverer. There was many people in the Bible, deliverers, but God used Esther for such a time. She was a deliverer for her people. And if it had not been for this woman taking on this role and answering the call and being truthful, her people would have been murdered. And there would have never been a day to celebrate her life. And to this day, the Jews, it's called Purim, they celebrate her. They celebrate her life and they honor her. And they say, unless this woman had, if, if this woman had not risen up to the occasion, we would not be here. And so every year they celebrate her life and they thank God for her and they say thank you. And so the last thing I want to share is that 
when you read this book of Esther, you will never read the name of God in any of it. But that's how awesome God is, is that even though you may not see God in the midst of your situation, even though God is not showing himself all powerful and all knowing to you, remember, keep in mind that God is with you. Even when you don't feel him, you don't see him, you don't hear him. God is in everything. And the way that God showed himself faithful to the story, I'm going to tell you to read it. I will tell you, though, there was a victory. But know that God is with you. Know that God is taking care of you. And if you don't feel him, by faith, trust him. Amen. Amen. I want you just to lift up your hands right now. I want you just to begin to worship the Lord. I want you just to praise him right now. Just praise him right now. And just think about the words. Think about those words that may be spoken to your life this morning. Speak about whatever triggered or the Spirit of God quickened you with. Maybe we're lacking in truth and telling the truth or not being honest with ourselves. Maybe the Lord is telling you, I need you to be honest right now. Or I want to speak into your life, but you're hiding. You're hiding from the truth right now. Maybe the Lord spoke to you about being courageous, being courageous for your marriages, being courageous for your children, being courageous for being that light at your job. Maybe the Lord spoke to you about that. I don't know. But whatever the Lord spoke to you about today, I want you to come up to this altar and I want you to make a vow to the Lord. Whatever it was that the Lord gave you, I want you to come up here. I want you to talk to him. And be most honest. Be the most honest gesture before the Lord. Whatever it is, whatever struggle it was.